Good morning. Thank you for inviting me uh, to share some of my work with you all this morning. A while ago, I had the not very bright idea, uh, in fact, a completely terrible idea, uh, to study Congress. Um, yeah, I spent a really bad year uh, reading the congressional record from the election seasons leading up to the 2016 and 2020 elections. Those were presidential elections, of course, but every seat in the House of Representatives and a third of the seats in Senate uh, were also up for election in both 2016 and 2020. So I read the congressional record. The congressional record is kept by the Library of Congress, and the librarians there are spectacular, phenomenal. Uh, the congressional record is a verbatim recording of every speech given from the House and Senate lecterns, interspersed with the formal calls from the Speaker of the House and the President of the Senate. I was specifically interested in how Congress talks about the Founding Fathers. And this is important for my research today. Although we're gonna talk about the Founding Fathers, um, I'm not actually talking about them. Uh, we're talking about how people talk about them, yeah. Um, what I discovered is that America has daddy issues. So um, I turned this incredibly demoralizing project into a book, which I am grateful to be able to tell you will be published later this year with Johns Hopkins University Press. Uh, the book is called Invoking the Fathers, um, Dangerous Metaphors and Founding Myths in Congressional Politics. The editors put the snazzy part, the long part on that, Right. Dangerous metaphors, founding myths. Um, the short part of the title is mine, Invoking the Fathers. Invoking, it's a religious word. It means to call out in prayer and supplication. It also means, like its noun form, an invocation. To draw upon or summon, typically the divine, uh, for one's own authority or use. Invoking and invocation, these words have, a, have an echo that feel a little bit like witchcraft. Um, and I liked that for my title. Rhetoric, that's my field of expertise. Um, I'm a rhetorician. Uh, so anyways, rhetoric has this long-standing flirtation with witchcraft, um, which is kind of a side story. So I'm going to clumsily try to steer us back to Congress. Here we go. I can say with absolute confidence, there is no witchcraft in Congress these days. Um, but anyways, uh, invocation, yes, yes, Congress invokes the idea of the founders as fathers, calling upon the founding fathers, and invokes Christian religiosity, appealing to Christian values, scripture, and God himself in the same breath. For instance, as Representative Yoho, a Republican from Florida, said recently uh, when advocating for the anti-abortion policies, this is a quote, it's in your bulletins as well, Quote, our founding fathers were grounded in the Christian principles this nation was founded on. Second Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That was part of the 2020 election cycle. There are a couple things to notice about uh, that example, which I'll get to in a minute. But first I wanna answer when. When, um, when do congressional politicians invoke Christian religiosity as they govern the United States of America? First, they do it every single day that they're in session. Both the House and the Senate opens with a Christian prayer every day. 
Uh, second, Republican members make overt religious appeals, as Yoho did in the example, um, when they are advocating for the, quote, right to life. Uh, Christianity and anti-abortion arguments and legislation go hand in hand in Congress. And these speeches are really plentiful. They're kind of a dime a dozen here. Uh, Republicans talk so often using Christian appeals to discuss the right to life. By the way, that's a phrase that appears nowhere in the Constitution, the Bill of Rights, or the Declaration of Independence. In a similar way, Christian appeals sometimes come up when Republicans argue uh, for the right to bear arms and some other related rights. Uh, third, every once in a rare while, a Democrat uses Christian appeals when arguing for policies to counter climate change. Here, for instance, Senator Whitehouse, a Democrat from Rhode Island, uh, cited Pope Francis's Laudato Si, it's an encyclical letter, um, and talked about Jesus flipping the money, lenders change, uh, the money lenders' tables in the temple as an appeal to Congress not to bow to big oil lobbyists. All right, fourth, uh, Congress uses Christian appeals basically whenever there's a ceremonial speech. Um, and Congress has a lot of ceremonial events. Uh, there's Constitution Day, my personal favorite, National Bald Eagle Day, um, and National Bible Week. Yes, yes, week. Uh, so President Franklin Delano Roosevelt declared the week of Thanksgiving to be National Bible Week in 1941, and Congress spends a whole week making ceremonial speeches about how wonderful the Bible is. Listen. If any of you came here thinking um, that we have a separation of church and state, or at least a pretense of a separation of church and state, um, well, this is all going to be very disappointing. Um, yeah. So anyways, there are a lot of ceremonies, and they like to make Christian appeals during those ceremonies. Um, and often these ceremonies celebrate America's founding, which brings us to our final point. Uh, when do they invoke Christian appeals? Well, and this is extra intriguing, but they make a lot of Christian appeals whenever they bring up the Founding Fathers. So they might be talking about taxes or oil drilling restrictions or impeachment or war or immigration or literally anything. And if they bring up the Founding Fathers, chances are pretty good that they're going to make a Christian appeal. Um, so look again at that quote from Yoho. Um, here it is. Our founding fathers were grounded in the Christian principles this nation was founded on. 2 Corinthians 7.14, if my people. And he goes on. Um, or consider this letter from Donald Trump about Nancy Pelosi during the first impeachment of 2019, which got cut up in the 2020 election cycle. Um, multiple members of the Republican Party read this letter into the congressional record. Here it is. Quote, even worse than offending the founding fathers, you are offending Americans of faith. Or here's another one. Uh, this one is about partisanship, but really it was about support for Trump in the 2020 election cycle. Um, this is Representative Gregory Murphy, Republican from North Carolina, stating, our founding fathers warned us about the danger of mob rule. This country needs prayer, not this disruptive partisanship. Uh, so you see how this works? It goes founding fathers, blah, 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 Christian appeal. Right? That's the formula. And you'll see it everywhere you turn in Congress. Um, I'm not a mathematician, so I'm going to call it a formula. We'll be okay. Um, so it bears noting that this formula is far more popular among Republican Congress people, but you do see it pretty much everywhere um, in both the House and the Senate from both Republicans and Democrats. Now, I want to pause here and say that some of these Congress people are devout believers who are authentically referencing um, a faith that they daily practice, and others are more 
opportunistically pandering to their base. Um, and either way, I don't really care. Um, which, what I'm trying to say is that it's immaterial to me whether they believe or are opportunistic here because I am not the faith police um, and I'm not a psychologist or a pastor. Um, I'm a rhetorician. I don't study what's in your head or your heart or your soul. Um, I study what comes out your mouth. I study the logic and the assumptions, the consequences of what people say and write and turn into film and television. So, okay. I'm interested in the logic that puts the Founding Fathers and Christian Appeals side by side in Congress. Um, I'm interested in the assumptions that this logic, this formula reveals, and I'm interested in the consequences it can have within America's legislative body. Because make no mistake, Congress governs America. It may be a clown car, uh, but to mix metaphors badly, it is a clown car with teeth. So in our remaining time, I want to explore the formula, founding fathers, blah, 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 Christian appeal. First, to call the loose association of men, um, some of whom signed the Declaration, others of whom signed the Articles of Confederation, still others of whom signed uh, the Constitution, and then a really different group of people became senators and thus voted on the Bill of Rights, um, to name them as a group uh, is a big deal, uh, much less as fathers. This is a conspicuous move. It is a shocking metaphor that we swallow every day um, because we hear it so often. Or to put it, um, perhaps as Febreze would have it, it is a stench we've gone nose blind to. Yes. Okay, fathers. It is a metaphor that primes us to think about America in terms of family, descendants, lineage, even heirs. It's a word associated with authority and the patriarchal right to rule. But if America is a family, and the founders are our fathers, well, if you don't mind me boiling down an argument I painstakingly lay out in over 300 pages of my book, um, to which my mother, kindly having read it, said to me, why are there so many quotes from senators? And I was like, oh, well, it's my proof. And she was like, oh, they're very boring. So. <laughs> Anyways, if you, if you don't mind me uh, boiling down an argument I lay out here, um, America, if America is a family and the founders are our fathers, then there is a lineage that would separate true heirs from fakes. There is a yardstick or really a genealogy uh, that would establish who is the real America. To put it bluntly, if the founders are our fathers and they have bequeathed America to us, then we are, by and large, the white men who are the father's most obvious descendants. But the founding fathers is so often immediately followed by Christian appeals, so it's not just any white men, it's the white Christian men, or the white men with family values and the women who support them, who are, within this metaphor's logic, the real America. Now, there's a move in this rhetoric that goes from origin to telos. Telos is a fancy word that means destiny. So there's a, there's a move in our formula that goes from the beginning to the end. Um, essentially, Congress is using America's origin story, its founding, its fathers, to establish the true nature of America and, then, and thus legislate America's future based on the destiny they see in the founding. 
So the myth of American exceptionalism and the Christian concept of America as a city on the hill, uh, they're all happening in this formula, founding fathers, blah, 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 Christian appeal. Um, and America's origin story, it goes like this. God divinely blessed the founders as they crafted the Declaration and the Constitution to create a country better than every other country. So if we stay true to the founders' design, if we are their children, then our country will be divinely blessed global superpower. Okay. Um, now, pause here because that's a covenantal story. Um, it goes from origins to telos to destiny, and it has an if-then clause in it. Um, you might be most familiar with the Abrahamic covenants. If my people who are called by my name, blah, 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 then I will bless them and their land. That's the famous Abrahamic covenant from the Old Testament. You can find it in Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. It's also the same covenant um, that Yoho was citing, right? Um, in the American myth of exceptionalism, the founding fathers are the dignitaries in a covenant between God and America, right? God blesses the founding fathers. They are able to create something wholly unique, totally different because of their amazing blessing. And thus, if we do what they did, then we receive that blessing and we inherit this land, destiny, global superpower. Okay, now there is also a secularized version of this covenant, um, which follows the exact same formula. It essentially just elevates the founding fathers into that God position. So if you take the covenant, God blesses the founding fathers, beautiful, wonderful, perfect, follow, wonderful superpower, um, and you take the God part out of it, um, what the secular version does is just moves the founders up to the God role, where they become not God the Father, but... Right? Okay. Um, so it elevates the founding fathers, exceptionally wise men who created an exceptional country. If we stay true to the fathers, then our country will be the best. In both of these versions, um, there's a call to return or to stay true or to relive um, the founding era's sort of culture and beliefs and hierarchies, right? Um, there's a, there's a sort of call to a culturally or morally Christian society where white men are the obvious best leaders in home, commerce, and governance. So when, why, and how do US politicians use Christian appeals in Congress? Uh, well, they do it a lot. They do it a lot. And much of the time, um, especially when it is paired with the Founding Fathers, it is wrapped in this origins to telos, covenantal logic um, that functions like a purity test, separating the real America from the fake. And, and this is important, without even a dog whistle for racism or sexism, this covenantal logic charts a path to a patriarchal and white supremacist future. That was my final line. On my first draft of this, um, I wrote charts a path to a patriarchal white supremacist future as my final line. And then I read my draft and thought I can't leave it there. So rather clumsily, let me try to offer you this. The Christian scriptures radically redefine family. Family isn't about blood. It's not lineage or inheritance, it's about water. Water baptizes Christians into a new family. And the Christian scriptures radically redefine citizenship. 
This country, any country, every country is not our own. We are but sojourners here. Christians' citizenship is in heaven. What I'm trying to say is that the way contemporary politicians use Christian appeals is a far cry from how scripture talks about families and country. What I'm trying to say is, it doesn't have to be this way. Thank you.